You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. All right, guys. Welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today, I've got Thad Miller. Now, Thad and I, it's it's hard to describe really how I'm connected with people at Elk Camp because I could say they're like hunting family almost. It's, it's those people that you're so close to for that 7 to 12 days a year. Um, but at the same time, it's almost like we're acquaintances. Like we don't know a ton about each other. But we feel super close when we're out there hunting and sharing the same uh, base camp. Like, there's 18 people out there hanging out this year, and you get really close with people when you're helping them pack elk off the mountains, when you're going and spending these early mornings and late afternoons in frigid temperatures, nasty wind, chasing after elk together. And so we're going to hang out and just talk about elk hunting right now. And we're going to talk about his his success uh, his year because he is one of the many guys who harvested an elk out in Colorado at my Colorado elk camp that I attend and I I'm super pumped for him I can't wait to have him share the story with you all and it's always fun talking about this stuff because it's kind of like reliving it uh, all over again so let's jump into this episode with that you're listening to the western rookie a hunting podcast full of tips, tricks, and strategies from seasoned Western hunters. There are plenty of opportunities out there. We just need to learn how to take on the challenges. Hunting is completely different up there. I've harvested 26 big game animals. You can fool their eyes, but you can't fool their nose. 300 yards back to the road turned into three miles back the other way. 
It's always cool seeing new hunters go and harvest an animal. I don't know what to expect. If there's anybody I want in the woods with me, it'll be you. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today is Thad. Now, Thad and I, we met, was it two years ago now? I know yep. for sure we yeah, met. I, think it was. I know we met last year because we came over to Elk Camp, even though we weren't hanging out at Elk Camp. Uh, we just came to <laughs> say hey, and uh, we weren't too far away from you guys. And then, yeah, this year came back, and uh, and you were there, and you were one of the people that was, like, first in line to shoot. And so I was pretty pumped, man. It's always fun when I get to come out there and hunt and reconnect with people. And obviously, you know, the brotherhood and the friendships and the camaraderie that happened at Elk Camp are pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, why, why don't you uh, share with the listeners a little bit about yourself, maybe – how you got into hunting, how you got connected with the whole crew out at elk camp. Okay. So yeah, I, uh, started hunting when I was about 10, got my hunter safety and my dad grew up in the Midwest in Iowa shooting ducks and squirrels at his grandpa's tree farm and, um, did a little bit of big game and he moved out to Colorado early nineties. Um, and went on a couple guided hunts, shot some antelope, got a bull. And then he had me and my brothers all in a pretty short span and kind of focused a lot on waterfowl hunting. So I really didn't get my feet dipped in the water big game hunting until I got married into the family um, nice. and joined part of the elk camp. But yeah, I... Um, um yeah came up two years ago was my first year um kind of had to fight with some of the members of elk camp because they kind of have a rule that no spouses are allowed um (laughs) and so yeah kind of had to fight my way in a little bit but I think once I went up and went my first year they all enjoyed me and helped pack out a couple animals and yeah, with the way the pecking order works and how we all get a shoot first, it just never worked out the first couple of years and got to enjoy it and really see the full experience and pack a few animals out. And yeah. So going from not really having experience to big game hunting, and then you dive into something like elk hunting, what was that like? Because I mean, I've big game hunted, but the West was something new to me, you know, going out to the Mm -hmm. mountains and chasing after elk or mule deer. My big game hunting consisted of sitting in a tree stand and staying still and trying to keep warm. And that was it. Mm -hmm. But like not, not even having a ton of experience uh, with big game at all. And then jumping into a pretty grueling hunt that had to, Mm -hmm. that had to be pretty challenging. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, I'd really only ever just sat in a duck blind or a goose pit and yeah, I mean, you just sit there and call and observe and stuff comes to you. It's not, yeah, you go up there and you're driving all the ridges and glassing all day and yeah, it's just a whole entirely different experience. Yeah. The, it's hard to really get someone to understand what all goes into an elk hunt like that until they get out there and do it. I mean, 
for for me with deer hunting you know all i have to do is grab my gun grab some blaze orange and get ready the night before a little bit and then head out and mm-hmm. i'll drive like 10 miles but with with elk hunting i mean for me the trip really started a week before getting my yeah. stuff all packed up making sure like doing a couple more rounds through my rifle and then heading out to Colorado, meeting up with the guys there for like two to three days. It was packing up uh, toy haulers and trailers and getting all the side-by-sides loaded, finding the gas cans, ratchet straps. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. a whole ordeal. And I feel like that's part of the fun of the whole hunt. It's just the Mm -hmm. prep. Like the night before, there's no greater night of the year than the night before elk camp. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Couldn't agree more. <laughs> what uh what did it look like for your first year or two being out there? I mean, you said you got to help pack out elk. Were you were you able to see some on the hoof? Uh and do you just you just weren't close enough or what did that look like? Yeah, the first year we like almost every time I went out, we saw at least a handful of elk, a couple bulls. It was that first year though, we were just seeing them like 2000 yards i mean they're way out of range yeah typically not even on on public land they were on private or but yeah i mean almost every time i went out the first year i went up and we the first year i only went up for like half the week we couldn't get our time off work um but yeah so we every single time we went out saw elk and it was awesome and yeah just really never had a play on any of those and yeah i think ended up helping pack out a couple when we were maybe going to go hunt, but yeah. Yeah. It's cool to kind of dip your toes in the water like that, where you get to help pack out, you get to experience Mm it. Um, I'm always kind of curious, the guys who go out there and it's like day one, they see a bull, they shoot it. And that's all there. There's people who basically it's probably few and far between, but basically shoot the first elk that they've ever seen you know mm-hmm. in person in the wild yeah. and i feel like that would be kind of bittersweet to me it'd be the rush obviously of shooting one but you mm-hmm. don't really have any history in it it's like you walked out it just fell in your lap um yeah. but then this year you know coming back you it, it seemed like we had consistent shooting basically every day to every other day mm-hmm. um we were getting elk down yeah. How uh how many elk packouts were you part of this year? This year I actually well I came and helped on Adams and helped on Spicoli's. So I think yeah, just those two. Yeah. What uh what was your strategy going into the hunt this year? I mean, did you have anything that you wanted to change up or uh new areas that you wanted to check out? Uh not really. You know, I'm kinda I still don't have Onyx. Um <laughs> And yeah, I still kind of just go with the group and yeah, just roll with the punches and hoping I get the opportunity and finally got it this year. Yeah, it's that's the cool part is when when you jump into a group like the one that we're a part of, there's mm-hmm. so many people who are willing to help out that are willing to do the work, scout, you know, not only scout, but once they actually find the bulls share the information with the rest of the crew like that's Mm -hmm. pretty rare i feel like in western hunting a lot of guys it's just like dude i'm coming back here i'm gonna make it happen for myself tomorrow or i'm not gonna tell anybody hopefully that bull lives till next year um Mm -hmm. 
but that is the nice thing, you know, not having to put a ton of thought into how you're going to hunt, but continuing to be a student and to learn and, Mm -hmm. you know, all of, all those guys out there, I consider like hunting mentors to me and, you know, (laughs) they've, they've been at it for a decade and a half out there. And I mean, they've been hunting a lot longer than that, but in this specific area. And so to know that I'm going out there with a bunch of people who know what they're doing, uh, it kind of takes the pressure off of me as a hunter a little bit. And I'm assuming you probably felt that same way. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, as I've gotten older and older, my dad, like with our waterfowl, he's always kind of struggled calling a little bit. And yeah, like, so I feel a lot of pressure when we go on those kinds of hunts because I'm kind of our main caller and, and yeah, when you go up there, it's just so relaxing. And I mean, yeah, you're basically got two or three guides with you every time you go out with a group. So. Yeah. And then to have a whole support team after the fact, I mean, like you mentioned, you've helped out uh, on, on pack outs multiple times now, you know, I've been on multiple and the work, the work starts long before the hunt, but it doesn't stop after the triggers pulled. In fact, some of the hardest work happens at that point. Mm. And, and to know that you have, you know, a half a dozen to a dozen people who are willing to just drop everything and Mm. come pack out an elk with you or, uh, track an elk or, you know, whatever the process is, even back at camp, starting to, to debone and, chunk up the meat into the different cuts it's just there's not many places like that that i've experienced in the hunting world i mean everybody's very accommodating wherever i hunt i feel like you know going and hanging out and waterfowl hunting or turkey hunting or whitetail or hog everyone's really awesome but when Mm -hmm. you have people that are willing to like put in some serious blood sweat and tears with you Mm -hmm. for days at a time that's a different level yeah what uh why don't we get into the story of your elk because it was it was exciting it was awesome and it was unlike any other hunt that we had this year uh, Mm -hmm. as far as that elk camp i mean it was the work (laughs) the work happened kind of in a weird spot in the hunt Mm -hmm. uh, from what we're used to so uh yeah why don't you start with kind of how, how that day went. What did you start out with in the morning uh, when you killed your bull? Yeah. So we were uh, kind of trying out a new area. I think Joe had got one the day before pretty close yep. to where that one was. Um, and yeah, we had two groups that went out and we were kind of the whatever group that wasn't as far down the trail. So we kind of stopped there and we were just glassing. And then we got, um, Adam came whipping back on his quad and said that they had a bull down and there was another shooter, um, to get up there. And so I was pretty much first on the list and can't even, I think we all hopped in Shane's side by and got cruising up there. And yeah, when we got up to that spot where they were at, I think I threw my gloves off right away and then, yeah, I went down and you were gracious enough to let me use your gun to get out there and get on it. And yeah, I was, I think what, when we first shot, was it about 380 
something like that or 400. Yeah, it was, I'm trying to remember. There were so many, I I've never had like brain fog. Like I had after that hunt because Mm -hmm. you know, there was already a bull down. And so I'm like helping range and call out numbers. And then finally we, uh, we get it down and then this other one's out there. And so the amount of ranges that I yelled out or adjusted for on the scope that morning, I'm like, Mm -hmm. dude, there had to have been 40 different like (laughs) adjustments made as we're trying to find the bull, as we're, uh, getting new, new data on him, you know, at different distances. And so, I honestly don't remember. Uh, it could have been yeah. somewhere around there. And mm-hmm. and I just, I remember for sure, like 660. I remember calling out that number and I have no idea why. I, I don't know mm-hmm. why it's significant, but I just remember calling out that number. And yeah, uh, yeah. so you took, you took your first shot. Yeah, you know, so. Several we, hundred yards. Well, and like, I was kind of struggling a little bit too, like with the point of focus on the site. Um, it was like, you know, when you have the black circle and you're kind of, you get the clear picture, it was kind of, I was kind of struggling to find that. And I think by the time I actually shot, he had walked to about 460, 480, something like that. Yeah. And you were adjusting your turret all along. And then, yeah, he finally, he was, had kind of was quartering and walking away and quartering. And then finally he stopped and went broadside and I took my shot. And you guys all said hit. And I was like, heck yeah. And then, um, but he was still walking. And so I was trying to get back on him and my hands were frozen. And yeah, I really never did get back on him and have a good shot. And so we sent a couple guys down to try and see if they could cut him off because he was heading uphill towards a road that crossed. And then they ended up kind of going to the wrong spot. They went three fingers down the hill instead of three fingers over the hill yeah um but yeah so then me and you went and well i guess actually before that then um that other bowl they finished that one off so we were kind of lost a little bit of focus there i did lost a little bit of focus there yeah and then yeah we went ahead and hopped on your quad to go try and see if we could get another shot and then that's where your 660 was Oh, okay. That's where on those second was. shots, we were kind of shooting up that hill. And yeah, um, I sent a few at him and yeah, I don't know where they were going, but we never hit him. And then you even took one and yeah, then he kind of got up and over the ridge and that was kind of a weird feeling. Cause it was like, yeah. oh, it was my first bowl. Everybody was like, you hit him, but he's getting away. And yeah, like it was. Well, and on your first shot, you know, we had, we had half a dozen to a dozen sets of eyes on this elk mm-hmm. and you you squeeze the round off and i heard a hit uh i heard the impact i couldn't tell where it was through the spotter but i saw i saw him start to limp really hard and mm-hmm. so i'm like sweet you know you shot the guns on like everything's good and then he just kept cruising and you know those animals are tough. Like you can put one right through the vitals and they'll continue to run for 400 yards for no reason. And, Mm -hmm. but then what was interesting is he was the only other bull that we had seen down below us. And it seemed like every draw that he went through, he picked up another bull because by the time they went up and over that trail, there was like six of them. 
Mm-hmm. And we're like, where did these things come from? We only saw two. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we yeah, got we got over there on the four wheeler, and it's just a nasty trail to get up and over the top. But we knew that they had crossed the trail again. Like if that first group had gone to where we told them to, those elk would have mm-hmm. ran like two hundred yards in front of them and yeah. been broadside. Um, yeah. But they made it up and over that trail, and at that point, it was like we can't get up to the top of that mm-hmm. from where we were. I mean, it's just too too nasty. And I think at that point we went back and Mm -hmm. it was like, Hey, we got to help the other guy get his, his bull out. But also Mm -hmm. we've got this bull that we've got to go after, but it's an, I don't know. What would you guess an hour and 45 minutes to get to that spot? Yeah. uh, Going fully back around the other way. Mm -hmm. Yep. What did, what did you do at that point? Cause I know I dropped in to help on -hmm. the other bull. We got that packed out and then we came and caught up with you guys but what did you do immediately following watching him go up and over the mountain yeah so after we watched him go up over the mountain we gave it a valiant effort and joe's side by to get up that trail couldn't make it up so then we went back and then yeah drove around all the way well before we did that we gave sean a call back at camp and just to see what he was doing and see if he could go see if he could find something and yeah he went and headed up there and found a blood trail and started tracking and so yeah by the time we got around we almost met sean back at like camp pretty close to where we were camped at originally before we moved from the snow um and yeah so he had been tracking that thing for probably four miles five miles something like that and then i he was going through this little valley um and it wasn't there was a lot of snow where he was at at first so he was able to really track the blood um but then through this valley he was literally leapfrogging himself so he'd take his hat off set it down at the last place of blood he found walk up 10 15 yards or feet yards whatever find the next one go pick his hat back up and it was very slow process so it was actually a good thing i joined up with him right when i did but yeah we then I would just kind of stand at the blood. He'd go find the next one. And we just kept going and probably went for another half hour. Um, and then around that time, he, he was like, okay, like I have good blood. Um, so I like, we don't necessarily need to keep leapfrogging like this. So you kind of stay close to me, keep your head on a swivel, see if you see anything. And so right about then another bull had joined up with him and they split around this tree. And so Sean started to like step around the tree to follow the one track. And I saw a flash out of the corner of my eye. And I was like, what's that? And I was like, oh, Sean, Sean, it's right there. And so across this valley, like 400, 400 yards probably. Um, yeah, he just was running across the side. And I was, I had taken Bochum's gun um, when we went out. And so I wasn't super comfortable with it anyways. And like, it was booking it on the side of that hill heading up towards the ridge. So he was like, are you sure that's it? And I like, I saw it limp in that front left leg. And I was like, oh, hundred percent, that's my bull. And so then right then he's like, all right. And just boom, shot once. And it kind of stopped and sat there. And then 
shot again and then just dumped it. And it was just awesome. Jeez. That was so good. So we, I'm trying to think who all was with. I think it was me and Adam that went back to camp. We had Mm -hmm. to refuel the ATVs. And then we came out. Well, we saw Joe and Fish and, I mean, basically everybody. Justin was over there. And everyone's kind of like spread out on the two track all the way around this this knob that you and Sean were working down. And so I was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to get way high up on the other side and just glass and watch for any type of movement at all. And I, I'm cruising down the trail and I find like four sets of uh, elk tracks, like fresh in the snow. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, shoot. So I get off the quad. I'm like walking. I mean, I'm, I'm like speed walking, trying to find these things and, and don't catch up to anything. So I'm like, all right, I go back and it's like a couple switchbacks up the side of this mountain and I cross them again. And so I was like, all right, now I'm just going to haul. And so I grab my gear and I just take off and I'm like chasing these tracks down. Well, I haven't seen anybody else at this point. Like I know everybody else was back down below, but I'm like, Mm -hmm. dude, am I about to come up on this bull? Because (laughs) nobody else is here. There's no other foot. Uh, footprints and finally I get to a point where I'm like dude I can't see like I mean I could have kept following the tracks but it was going to get to a point where I wasn't I wasn't going to have any visibility in front of me Mm -hmm. so I figure hey I'll go back and check and at that point I think I had tracked for four or six hundred yards and had no blood anywhere and so then I'm also thinking okay maybe this isn't even the same elk yeah uh, mm-hmm. But I know they're traveling the same general direction. So I I go back and I get on the four-wheeler and I'm driving to another vantage point. And as I'm driving, I'm like, was that a gunshot? You know, the sound of the four-wheeler right in front of me or right underneath me. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can't tell if I just heard a gunshot or not. And I just keep going, park it, drop down. And I look down and you guys are all standing there. All the four-wheelers and side-by-sides are all pulling up on the road at the same spot. I see people, like, waving their hat in the air. And I'm like, crap, dude, I I missed everything. I'm, like, in the totally wrong area. (laughs) And I came down, and it was – and this is where earlier I said the bulk of the work happened in a weird spot, right? Mm -hmm. Because normally, like, you're having to book it way down in to find where these elk are. In our case, we basically almost shot them from the two-track, probably, what, 15 yards off the yeah. two-track we yep. just dropped down the <laughs> do, drop down the hill a little bit and, mm-hmm. and then the bulk of the work happened in tracking that thing like you yeah. and sean the amount of work that you guys put in mm-hmm. on foot up and down mountains through meadows you know trying to find one drop of blood every 15 to 20 yards mm-hmm. and then in thinking about all this it's like okay you guys hiked four miles, whatever it was, or, you know, Sean did, and you, you joined <laughs> up with him at some point. Most people would be like, oh, crap, now they have to pack this elk out that far. No, this thing <laughs> died, like, right next to a different trail. And yeah. so we literally were able to pull the four-wheeler basically up to it. I think you guys had to drag the elk for, what, yeah. 40 yards, maybe? Yeah. And then we all picked the whole, we picked the whole thing up and we've never done this at elk camp before, no. not to my knowledge. No, first one ever. Yeah. Picked the entire elk up and put it on the back of a four wheeler, <laughs> not even in a side by side. We picked that entire bull up and strapped it down. And Adam, 
I, it was so funny watching him driving because oh, yeah. his suspension was completely bottomed <laughs> out. You know, normally, normally the brackets make that A shape and they were mm-hmm. in a perfect V almost touching <laughs> like the pumpkin was touching the bottom. Uh, and so it, it was definitely a wild hunt, but back to the recovery. So you guys shot it, uh, mm-hmm. you're, you, you got two shots out, off at it. It dropped the second time and then you went up there. At that point, what did you find? Were you immediately like, man, I want to see where I hit or uh, what was that like? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was pretty awesome. Had that musty elk smell that you come to get used to. And yeah, it was just awesome. Said the little family prayer to it. And yeah, knew I'd be feeding a lot of people for the year to come. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it's a cool little prayer that they say. You know, you lay your hand on the animal and you say, thank you and yours for providing for me and mine. And it's just a really awesome moment. Like when you can sit there and just like admire the thing that you've been chasing after. I mean, that you've put in years now Mm -hmm. or multiple seasons chasing after. And these guys have put in countless hours and hours trying to figure out where these animals are uh, over span of 15 years. Mm-hmm. it's crazy when it all comes together like that and you yeah. wish you could like you wish that not only could you take the meat and the antlers but like you could almost bottle that up like all of the emotion in that mm-hmm. moment and yeah. bring it with you and just like open mm-hmm. the jar every now and take a, <laughs> take a well, sniff well, or take a yeah. sip or something like yeah. it's it's just a really cool feeling mm-hmm. for sure what what went through your mind in that moment. I mean, because walking up on your elk. Yeah. That's, that's gotta be a whole lot different than walking up to help somebody else pack out. Yeah, no, it was awesome. I mean, yeah, it's a put in a lot of work and a lot of time and research and yeah, it's awesome for it to just all come to fruition. And yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. The, uh, it, it was cool to get to experience a lot of it. You know, I wish I could have been there for the whole track job and everything, but mm-hmm. uh, it ended up in, ended up working out. Now, I don't know. I don't know how much you guys examined it, examined it. I was like, I think I was packing up my tent when you guys were all cutting it up back mm-hmm. at camp on the trailer. Uh, what did you find as far as as far as bullet holes? Because I know there were a couple. Yeah. In not great places, but yeah. it allowed it allowed you guys to track it. Honestly, the the location mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. So actually, I hit it like in the ankle and almost cut its foot off. Its hoof was like barely hanging on by a thread. Yeah. And yeah. then it also had one in its back hoof, and then yeah, one through the. I think Sean's kill shot hit it through the neck. Dang. But yeah, yeah barely barely hit it but got enough that yeah and it that's we were talking about it too when we were tracking it so it kind of almost clawed up at times and you wouldn't see blood for a while and we were wondering if that wasn't like when it would like its hoof would be how it kind of should be and then it would kind of get wonky again and then start spurting some blood again but yeah yeah it was when when i walked up and saw where it was shot i was like oh my gosh but (laughs) You know, although although the shot was in a rough spot, the persistence of mm-hmm. 
our group as hunters and like, Hey, we're not going to give up on this thing. We're going to, you know, track it until we can't anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, it allowed us to still harvest that animal, you know, and not, not leave one out there injured. And it happens. I mean, it happens to everybody, no matter who you are, if you hunt long enough, you're going to have a situation like that, that you get into where you make a shot and when you can't tell where the impact is, you know, that's, that's also difficult. But, um, I, I hear from, you know, the best of the best, the people in the industry for a long time who have been doing this since they were little kids and they'll have a season where, you know, they put a bad shot on a deer and they never find it or multiple. I've heard, I know, I know people who have shot their bows for years, worked at bow shops. They're phenomenal shots and had multiple deer that they couldn't recover for one reason mm-hmm. or another. Um, and so it's unfortunate, yeah. but it was awesome that, you know, it all worked yeah. out. And mm-hmm. again, it was a unique story in a totally different way than what we're used to out there. Yeah. Yeah. So, sure was. Uh, uh, what, what do you have planned for next year? Cause now, I mean, you popped your cherry on elk, right? Like the seal is broken. And Mm -hmm. when I first went out there, Sean said that to me, he's like, dude, just, just get one down. He's like, don't be super picky. Just get one down. And it's going to, it's going to change your mindset and make it easier and give you more confidence year after year, the more you do it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, do you yeah. have a different game plan? Do you have different expectations for next year or different size that you're looking for? Uh, I mean, definitely going to be chasing one the size of yours, but, um, yeah, I mean, definitely want to get my own, get my own rifle. That would have been a big help in yeah. both, both times I shot probably. Um, yeah. And really outside of that, I'm ready to put in a bunch more work and, pack some more out hopefully get some other first timers up and get their first bowl and yeah yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be wild it's a trip that i look forward to every year but yeah once you get once you get your rifle obviously you guys have 1100 yards you can shoot out there at shane's place and i mean that that to me is one of the funnest things shooting steel i mean it never competes with shooting an animal, but like shooting mm-hmm. steel and hearing, hearing your impact and seeing it swing out at seven, eight, 900 yards. Like that's fun in, in and of itself, but it also gets expensive with the price of ammo now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, man, uh, congrats, dude. First elk. Yeah. That's a big deal. One of five guys this year to get their first elk. Yeah. And uh hopefully the luck continues i mean i cannot just keep it going year after year yeah uh well thanks for hopping on man thanks for sharing the story i hate to cut this short but as we were talking earlier i've got some plans right after this podcast um why don't you share before we hop off with listeners where they can find you where they can follow along social media all that um so i am on social medias mostly just under my name, like Facebook, uh, Instagram at ZT Flyboy. Um, I post a lot of my waterfowl shoots and yeah, most of my hunting stuff. So check it nice. out. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited, man. 
next year is going to be killer. Uh, it's, it's fun meeting up with meeting new people and actually getting to hunt with new people. And that's the one thing I really enjoy about that group is every year, you know, you might have guys who haven't come for five years that show back up and, uh, Mm -hmm. you get to meet them for the first time or you get to reconnect with them. And so next year is going to be pretty wild. And uh, I look forward to doing many more years of hunting with you and, and the whole crew out there. Heck yeah. Me too. Well, thanks Thad. Take care. And, uh, we'll see you soon. Yep. We'll see ya. And that is going to wrap up today's show and it's going to wrap up the harvest at elk camp. What a cool way to start off 2023 by just living those experiences all over again. It was a phenomenal year. I mean, seven bulls, five of them by first time uh, harvesters, elk killers. I don't know how you say that, but it, it was a year that none of us are ever going to forget. And I'm looking forward to another year coming up. 2023 goals are going to be on a future episode, trying to figure out exactly what I want to do, the places that I want to go, things on my bucket list that I want to check off. But I am so grateful and so thankful for everything that took place, especially at Elk Camp this year. And so hopefully you guys had a similar year. Hopefully you're out there finishing up your final season and planning for this coming season. I know we're not that far away already from turkey season and applications and draws and all of that stuff. So there's a lot that goes into it. And I always joke with my wife, like once one season ends, a new season begins and there's not really an off season for most hunters. If you're managing food plots or if you're trying to manage your preference points or scouting on Onyx, shed hunting, whatever that is, hopefully you guys are getting out there and doing some awesome stuff. So until next time, get out there and chase a new adventure.